Welcome to Shofar Cape Town South Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. If you've read Leviticus 16, it's about the Day of Atonement where um, they take a goat and they confess the sins of the nations to this goat and they usher it into the wilderness. I was like, God is really funny. There is a word for this. It's called a scapegoat. Um, I was like, what? Because um, it's not a sheep. It's a goat. I was like, it's, got a, it's good to know that God has a sense of humor. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is, uh, is that uh, when you read Old Testament in light of Hebrews, you get to get a bigger picture because you see that Jesus is actually the fulfillment of all these things, that, of the sacrifices, that Jesus was the final sacrifice. Awesome. So we're getting to, to Hebrews 12, verse 1, 2, 3. Before then, uh, the Bible, the Scripture speaks a lot or it compares um, uh, like the Christian faith to like a fight. Uh, Paul says, I have fought a good fight. And in Ephesians, he speaks about wrestling. Um, and this other imagery of a, of a, of a wedding, the, the, the church being the bride and him being the bridegroom. And there's one of, about running as well. That's the one we're going to be, uh, be chatting about. So Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame and is seated at the right hand of at the right hand of the of the throne of God consider him who endured uh, from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted um, yeah I love because it starts off by saying therefore so you always go back to find out why is it there and uh, it's about Hebrews 11 it speaks about the it's called the whole of faith of Hall of Faith, or where he has all the um, faith heroes of the past. So like Abraham, how he was able to have a child at age 100, and Sarah, how they were able to conceive, and because of faith. Um, we're saying, because since we are surrounded by all these great people, or like witnesses, I don't know if you ever ran a race, like if there's all these people on the sidelines cheering you on. Like when I did my, my marathon last year, like I was running and it's like five kilometers into the race. There was some person on the side of the road who says, you're almost there. I was like, yes. I appreciate the encouragement, but I know I still have like 38 Ks to go, but thank you. Um, so you always have people on, look, that are cheering you on. So the imagery here that the author is saying is like picture service of sort of in a stadium that's surrounded by so great cloud of, of witnesses. And these are people... They're not just ordinary people that sit on the camp, camping chairs and cheering you and saying you're like five kilometers away. These are people that actually ran the race because they know. They wouldn't say that you're almost there um, because they know how tough the race is. They know how... So that's the point uh, here. It's, since we're surrounded by these people from Hebrews 11 that have ran the race, let us be encouraged so to run our race. So it's, the thing, if when you read these first three well, uh, verses, the things that stands out a lot for me when I read it is the author says, let us twice. And the word that also occurs over and over is 
instead of endurance, which is he um, ran the race with endurance. So Jesus endured the cross and he endured sinners or hostility from the sinners. Sort of gives an idea what the, this part of scripture is about. Um, but I want to focus on the first one about let us. I mean, he's, he's calling us, or title there, like uh, calling us into community. So I don't know if, well, I don't know how many people have ran, because I keep saying, I don't know. How many people have ran a marathon? Or it is something close to like 21 Ks? Hey, Saab, Francois. Hey, so there's a couple of hands. So when you're running a long distance like that, they are a group of people, we call it a bus, which is uh, you run with a person that has ran before. Uh, so that's, that group is called a bus. So the person is there to, to make sure that you keep with the pace. Because if you don't know how far 42 Ks is, you're probably going to run quick and suffer in the second half. Um, so they're there to, because like when you run the first 21 Ks, it's easy because your legs are fresh. Like you feel like, you're wondering like why are people running so slow? I mean like, is it, is it just me or like are people injured or what's going on? Um, but the race gets really tough in the second part between 20 28 to 30, 36 case. That's, that's when you start speaking French. Like, if you never spoke French, that's where you start speaking French. And not the French that you speak on a mic in front of people at church. The other French. Um, but like... Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, it's really painful. It's like you su you're suffering. You're wondering, why did I ever do this? Um, and it's helpful when you're in a group because, like, you're not the only one suffering. You're not the only one speaking French. Everybody's speaking French. Um, not that you should speak French, but um, I think the point I'm saying is that when you're surrounded by people that are doing pretty much the same thing as you, you're not so worried about your own pain. You're more concerned about the other people next to you that are suffering, trying to see how can you help them. And psychologists know this. Oh. Well, the Bible's been speaking about this for a long time, but psychologists also speak about it. Someone A.K. is a psychologist. He did a research about people that, went, well, they did a study. So they had participants come and have them estimate the hill. So people that came individually estimate the hill 30% steeper than the people that came with a friend. So the interesting thing is, like, when you come with a friend or someone that you're close to, um, they, don't, they don't even have to be looking at the same hill with you. Just the mere presence... Um, next to you is they, 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 like they changed your perception of reality. They were able, the people that came with their friends, they saw the hill 30% less steep than the people that came alone. Like the mere presence of them just totally changed reality, which is quite profound. I don't know if you also, when you're studying and you're struggling with a, with a course and you're doing it with someone else, it becomes less of a challenge. When, well, I don't know, when I was studying, we used to say, of course, chows, but we also changed, I don't know, is it still chowing, or people were, okay. <laughs> but I don't know, some people don't like saying that word, but like, yeah. Um, yeah, so like, when you're studying with other people, then it, the work is not as difficult as it is when you're on your own. And the other thing we know with, uh, is with trees in the Atlantic Islands, is that during hurricane season, there's certain trees that survive the carnage of the storm. And what, uh, what scientists found out is that those trees have their roots deep beneath the ground, so they go very deep. And the interesting thing as well is that those 
those trees have their roots inter interlock with other neighboring trees, which is like, wow. In a sense that, um, because those that are not, um, they don't have their roots that, that deep um, and interlock with neighboring, they get blown off. And those they do, they, they withstand this. And we know this from Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 4. Yes, Ecclesiastes 4. I, mean, I might need to drink water because my mouth dries up when I talk. One day I'm going to grow up and talk without my mouth drying up. You believe that? No, okay. I'll just do it anyway. Woo, Matthew does this for a living, so he's quite... Uh, I've never seen him drink water while he's preaching. I mean, like, one day, one day when I grow up, Matthew's going to pray over me. And I'll... Uh, yeah, the point I was making, Ecclesiastes speaks about this in uh, Ecclesiastes 4, from 9 to... Yeah, there. 11. So it's pretty self-explanatory, but it says two are better than one because they have, they have a good reward for their toil. So if you're working with someone else, like you can do double the work. Um, uh, it says if one falls, well, one will lift his fellow, but woe to him who works alone when he falls or she falls uh, and has not, not another to lift him up or her up. Again, And I, again, if two live together, they keep, um, they keep warm, but one... So this light is in my face, I can't see. But how can one keep warm alone? But anyway, you get the point. It's like when there's two people, um, you're most likely to, uh, to do better than if you are one. And the point I'm making here is the author is calling us into community. And I think the question is, the first thing I want to ask you is like, um, like how deep are your roots? Is it like in the relationship with people that you have, like how deep is your relationship with those people? Not only that, but like who are you sort of interlocking with? Because people affect, and like we said with that study that they did, they affect the perception of reality. And we call not only to uh, discipleship, but you can't disciple someone even if you yourself have not been discipled. Like the, the guy that's running the bus, he's he ran the race before. You need someone to, to help you run the race. And um, so, yeah, th that's the point. The first point I'm making is, uh, is that let us, so, so the author's saying, let us run. Uh, no, he's saying, let us also lay aside every weight. So he's calling the whole community. He's not just saying, you guys must do it, but he's also including um, himself or herself, whoever the author is. Um, and, the, yeah, the second thing is speaking about, laying aside um, every weight and sin which clings so closely. It's interesting because he, he points these two things up. He's like weight and sin. In other words, weight is not sin. Like these two different things. So I don't know if, if you do run, you know, like it's very difficult to run with heavy things on you because you can clearly see that it makes you really, you get tired easily and it just restricts your motion. Um, and these, these are things that are like, like neutral, they're not like bad, like Netflix. Netflix is not a bad thing. I think God gave someone an idea to create Netflix, depending on what you watch in it. Um, but like Netflix, in, in a way, it can steal your attention from the Lord. It can take too much of your time that you don't have time for your studies or work or relationship with people, and it becomes a hindrance to your race. I guess the question you need to ask yourself when you 
want to find out what is the weight. It's like, is this thing, whatever it is, does it help me run? Like, does it bring me close to Jesus? Because the ultimate goal is to be close to Jesus. That's the, that's the person that we're running towards. He's at the finish line. Um, and see more points. Yeah, so it's, it's about like the things that are hindering us uh, from running, running well. Um, like heavy weights, like they really, you can use weights to, like to get, to train for endurance, um, uh, especially when you're like training for a long race like that, but, uh, but not for a race. You don't, you don't put on weights to, to go for a race or on, in a race because that will slow you down. And Paul said in uh, if Philipp, uh, Philippians 3, 12 to 14, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take all of that which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining, for, straining toward what is ahead, I press on to, toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I will grow up. So yeah, the point I'm getting to is yeah, as we speak about uh, forgetting what lies, what lies behind. It's pretty much the same language here about uh, running um, ahead or like setting aside um, weight, which makes you run inefficiently. You also, you know, when you're running, you don't run with your eyes or looking backwards because you obviously trip. Um, so it's about, I think here, the point that I want to make is there are things in our lives that happened in the past that prevent us from moving forward. Like all of us, we've had a past before. Um, I know for myself, I, there's a lot of things that I needed to, to deal with. Um, I think Amara shared this story before with you guys, but let's share it again. Like at the age of 15, I lost, I lost my mother. And I remember the day... Yeah, the night uh, she died, I had a dream. And in the dream, she was sleeping, and I was trying to wake her up. And I tried a couple of times, but she wasn't waking up. And she finally woke up. And in the dream, um, she looked at me, and she said, I must let her, I must let her go and, and rest. Um, but that was pretty hard for me like, to do that. And I remember like, uh, I struggled a lot about, about like, seven, eight years with that. And there was a time when I was doing... Um, School of the Nations and like Matthew and Yasha and Armand and Pastidi and a couple of other people, we had, we had like an old procession where like we ask you about your life and stuff. But it was cool. Um, anyway, as we were just speaking about that, that, during that week, the Lord has spoken to me about Isaiah 42. And in that, in the scripture, it speaks about a bruised reed. Uh, or the scripture says, a bruised reed I will not, I will not break. A, a smaller and weak I will not snuff out. And God said, I will, I will take your brokenness and I will, well, I took the broken reed and I will now make it strong and I will make it into a fiery arrow into my, in my quiver and shoot you into the nations. I was like, that's, I want that. That's, that's, that's good. But that, that meant that me allowing him to come into my life and, and healing me. I remember there was one point we were just speak, speaking in that moment or that I was reminded of that dream that I had. And I, like, I began to cry. What felt, it felt like I was... Um, it felt like everyone else was crying as well, so which just kind of helped the, the situation. And I, as I was just crying, I just sensed a lot of a release 
uh, in what God was, um, was doing. This, the word that he had promised me during the time I was doing school of nation, he was busy fulfilling. Uh, and a couple of weeks uh, after that, we, I think we went to Zimbabwe for a mission and we came back. I had another dream and in the dream, um, I had, had a dream with my mom and she was in heaven at that time now. And she was telling me how big God is and how amazing heaven is. And I just, I don't necessarily believe that, that people can talk to you and give messages to you. But I think what I took out from that dream was the God saying like the work that I, I did at the School of Nations, like it was just complete because it was like complete restoration of what I had felt in the past because previously I would have dreams with my mom and like honestly we'd be like sort of fighting and you know when you wake up and someone like just shaking you like ah oh, like this is like uh, in emotions sort of like rattled I woke up like that and just like really not nice um, but it was ever since I've never had a dream of my mom away like we're fighting or or, or like I, I feel hurt because God had done a complete work in my heart when I did School of the Nation and that was really profound and I think the reason I'm sharing this story with you is the things in your past that you need to bring before God. You need to allow God to heal. You need, you need to run with your eyes fixed on the goal which is Christ ahead of us, not facing backwards. You can't run with your eyes faced backwards and you need to yeah, bring yourself into that space and um, and I think part of our, our Christian walk is not about like sin management or like am I am I sinning? Am I doing wrong things? It's a, and one one aspect of it is is asking yourself this question and like am I am I becoming a godly person? Like who am I becoming? What what kind of a man am I becoming? Or what kind of a woman am I am I becoming? And like do I see the fruit of the spirit in my life? Because those, like, when you begin to ask yourself questions like that, you realize that you are really incapable of producing the fruit of the Spirit. You are really incapable of becoming holy on your own. I think that's why the author would say, look to Christ. Like, look, look at his example. Like, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, just, you see like, what they did and how they, they ran their race, how they were able to achieve all they did because they had faith in God, not in themselves, not in what they could do. And for the, the author, when he speaks to, to the Hebrews, he was really challenging them about like the rituals and the, the stuff that was sort of expected to do from the Levitical law. He said, but Christ is the fulfillment of all of this. He's better. Like set aside all these rituals, stuff about the Sabbath, stuff about what you should eat, what you should eat. Um, set those things aside because they like prohibiting you from running the race. Paul said, like, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. There's certain things that, we can, that we're doing which are beneficial for our run, or the race that we're running. And we need to come to that place where we, we let those things go. Are we making sense? Yes, no. We're still going. We run anyway. Um, amen. And I think the point of also is, like, keeping our heart pure. I think two weeks ago we had that sermon with Matthew speaking about... Um, Where's your, where's your heart? And what Proverbs 13 where it speaks about like uh, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. I mean, you must be careful about the things that disappoint you and how you deal with them because like scripture says, you'll make your heart sick. And like I think Mark chapter 4 speaks about the, the hard ground and the, 
the thorns that are in the, in the ground and the shallow ground and the, the ground that's sort of well prepared. Like, you must ask yourself, like, which one of these is my heart? Like, how am I dealing with all of these things? Because um, if you don't deal with them, they will prohibit you from running. They will take the word and they will quench it. Or rather, they, they will stifle the growth that needs to happen in, um, in your life. Uh, so yeah, I think it's like what the psalmist in 139 speaks about, like, Lord, like, send your spirit to search my heart. You know, like present, uh, presenting our hearts before God and Him searching it. Paul said to the Corinthians, like, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can comprehend what God has in store for those that love him. But he further goes on, but the Spirit of God has revealed these things to us. When you allow the Spirit to come and move, like, like that session I had at the School of the Nations, and the Spirit of God had a, sort of like an appointment with me, because I couldn't run away anymore, because like, there, there was no Netflix to, like, to, shower away, to, to watch, to shower away from my pain. I, had to deal with it in that, in that moment. And I think when we bring ourselves in the, into that space where God begins to, to deal with our hearts so that we can run the race with our eyes fixed, fixed to Him, taking everything that is blocking us from seeing Him. Uh, amen. Is that amen? Uh, uh, amen. Um, and uh, thank you. Yeah, so the other thing we, we're speaking about is speaking about. about Weight and he's speaking about sin and sin. I think, like in the Greek, he speaks about he uses the terms of from archery where you have a target and you you're missing it. That's that's when you sin. It's like when you it's a penalty shootout and you you don't score. That's sort of like a sin, you know. Not missing penalties is a sin, but like you get the idea. Um, but um, and I think at the core of it, it's based on the fact that it's, it's unbelief. It's just trusting, um, or like believing the lie instead of believing what God has said. Saying, like, I'll find joy, not in the way that God has sort of instituted, but I'll find it my way. You know, like moving away from the internal purpose that God has installed for, people, for you to find joy, which is in Him, but saying, I'll find it in other things. Um, and those things that we. The, the author saying like they cling so close to us. They're like running with, with tights, but like real, like tights. You know, there's tights that you can run with, but there's tights that you can't run with. They're like, they make it really difficult to move. And that's, that's what he's saying about, uh, uh, about uh, running. With, like, it, I like the, because it's very like visual, the, the imagery that he's using. Like if you ever running, like, you know, it's like you want to stretch your legs when you're running. You, know? you want to be able to have proper form, because if you don't have proper form, you get injured and um, not run properly. Um, then the next thing is about, he says, must run with, uh, with endurance. Um, or before then, he says, let us run the race that is set, that's set before us. And uh, it's, um, it's really interesting, because he's, like, he's sort of saying that there's a race that it's set before us, like individually, although it's the same race we're running, but they must stay in your lane, basically. That's what he, what he said. That's what I'm interpreting. He's like, stay in your lane. Like, like, like I'm an engineer. Matthew is a student, Paul's and a musician. We all have, we're running the race. We also stay in the same flat. He makes good food. Uh, uh, he, he has invented mana. We've all been trying to find, figure out what that is, but he, he will, uh, one day, 
One day you will taste mana. Uh, what mana of love? Woo. What mana of love that the Father has bestowed upon us? Uh, so, yeah. Um, the race set before us. So, so, the race that is set before us is like but staying in your lane. And um, yeah, so that I, th- I think what I, it's about finding out your mission, it's finding out like what, what God has, has for you, your calling, basically. It's like, um, and not in a, I want to make sure I'm saying the right things here. Yeah, so we're not, I'm not competing with KG in the, in the race of faith. Like I can actually like run with KG and we can get far. But the problem comes in when I start like, crossing lanes and like one one KG has. You know, I want to have a afro like KG and like play the Yanos like KG and dance like KG. Then I'm like, I'm not, I'm missing the point. Like I'm not running the race that's set before me. I'm like, I'm running looking at KG or this person that's beside me. And we're meant to run the race that's set before you. So it's important to know then what is your race. It's important for you to get to a point Spend time with the Lord and like, what is, what is the race that's said before? Ever all we know, like, we, it is to come to, just to meet Jesus. But like, I need to meet Jesus in my workplace. You know, I'm an engineer. I need to find Jesus there. I need to see him move in that space. And you probably, you're a student. You're studying a certain degree. You want to be a doctor like Dr. Gavis. One day I'm going to go to Dr. Gavis. He's going to be my doctor. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, the point I'm getting to is like, like, uh, we have different professions and we need to figure out like what is it that, that God has installed for me in that profession. Because um, we're all in like full-time ministry. Like we, there's no like certain people that are in, like we all need to see the kingdom of God come into the spaces that God has, has put us in. Um, and like, it's, like I said, it's knowing your mission, is knowing your vision. It's, I don't know if you've ever seen an octopus with roller skates. Anyone? I'll, I'll be surprised if someone says yes. I was like, I'm waiting for that one. I'm like, ooh, you're special. Um, so, like an octopus on roller skate, it's, it's, there's a lot of movement, right? There's a lot of movement, but you never know if it's going to be forward, backwards, or sideways. There's like this lack of vision. There's lo- lack of focus. It's like trying to do many things, and you get anxious. And it's, I love the story in Luke about Martha and Mary. Martha was worried and anxious about so many things but one thing one thing was required and Mary had chosen the good portion of it and I think the question I'm putting to you though, what is your one thing like, what is that thing at the end of the day you say I've accomplished because we can do a lot of things but we like to do one thing figure out what is your one thing come to a point where you know your mission other school of nations and there's a, you know, two weeks you figure out what, what that is for you and I think for me it was like shepherding nations into the Father's table. I don't know, big, uh, still working through, through that, but at least it gives me an idea of what I can say yes to and I can say no to. You know, like Jesus knew what he, what he was here for. People used to say, Jesus, you must stay with us for a long time. But he said, no, no, there's other regions that I need to go to as well because they need to hear the gospel. Um, so knowing your race, knowing what's your mission, it also will help you run the race. Um, uh, one last thing I want to say on that is I think CSC, well, 
C.S. Lewis has a, has a quote, says, uh, if you put second things first, you neither get first nor second. Uh, you can take, one, take that one home and think about it. You only get second things by putting first things first. So you can meditate on that one on your way home. Um, then it turns to like um, looking ahead, like running with our eyes fixed on Jesus, because that's what gets you through the difficult moments. The, between 28 and 36 case, like when you visualize the finish line, because they give you a medal at the, end of the, at the end of the race and they give you a Coke. When you start picturing, not necessarily the Coke, but like the point is like you picture Jesus, but there's Coke as well. But Jesus is better than Coke. But in that moment, all you need, you, you want to have Coke because <laughs> it gives you energy while you're running. But the point is, like, you run with the eyes fixed on Jesus, the, the author and finisher of our faith. And I love that. It says the race, you didn't start the race. It's like Jesus started the race, and he will finish the race. The work that he has started in you is faithful to bring unto, unto completion. So we look to him. We look for, to him for, as an example on how to run and how to um, to finish well and to run well, um, because it, and I enjoy I, I love the fact that it says um, for whom the, for the joy that was set before him he enjoyed the cross. Like we, at some and things can get very tough, um, but like when you realize at the end of the day, it's like you're gonna spend eternity to be Jesus. I think that changes. Like it should. My hope is that it changes your perspective on on how difficult your situation is at the moment. Like, um, I remember when I graduated, 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 I must speak slowly, because otherwise, when I graduated in this room, or this hall here, like, it's, it's really incredible, like, lots of people in here, like, your family, like, friends, people have, that got you through the difficult moments, and it's only, like, 30 seconds. Like, I'm sorry to spoil it for you, but, like, it's really, like, you study so hard, and, like, years, but it literally, like, it lasts, like, 30 seconds. It's, like 30 seconds of fame. So you walk from wherever you sit in from there, like you come, and back then the chancellor, vice chancellor was uh, Max Price. So someone whispers in his ears your name. So, Letlawana is coming. So he comes and he says, Letlawana. Then you, in that moment you're surprised, like, ah, oh, he knows my name. But he doesn't know your name. Someone whispered it. Uh, and it's like 30 seconds. Like, then you're done. But I think in that moment, like, it's really satisfying. But like, when you're there, like, he, he doesn't ask you, like, oh, well, did you get a, did you get DP from M1000? Like, or did, like, you know how many, how many clusters did you fail? It, like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, it's so, don't kill yourself over, like, DP or something. It's like, it's not, it's not worth it. Um, so I think it's, like, the joy that's set before us. Like, the, like, seeing, like, being able to picture the finish line it gives you perspective. It gives you, like, the courage to, um, to finish. But, like, that also speaks about like a sense of a sense of hope that there will there'll be a, a future which is better than the present. So that's what hope is. It's being able to picture a future that is better than now. And for you to be able to look forward, you need to look backwards. Like it's, I look, uh, think of it in the sense of there's tension between your past and your the tension between your future and your present. And if you're unable, you're not able to have that tension. You don't have you don't have hope because for you to be able to look forward, you need to look to look backwards, and um, I remember there was a time, whew, I'm sharing too many of my uh, personal stories. Um, so yeah, I'll be vulnerable with you, I'll share this one, very personal. 
Um, yeah, there was a time, like, just before I, I graduated, uh, just walking home, and I think I shared this before as well, so, like, rehashing stories. Um, I was walking back home, and I remember, like, I just get up. It's very, like, I mean, I internalize a lot of things. I don't, I don't talk a lot. So, like, if something happens, I just, I internalize and just think over it, think over it, which is not healthy. I need to sort that out before I get married, because otherwise, okay, uh, <coughs> I'll struggle. Uh, maybe I should say that a lot. Uh, yeah, so it's a, I know it's, it's, it's a weakness of mine. I, need, I definitely need to get that sort of before uh, I get married. I don't deal with conflict really. I, don't, I didn't deal with conflict well. So uh, the point I'm making, I'm not digressing, is that so I had like, I think something happened and I was just like really in a bad mood and a thought came to mind that like I should probably kill myself. So I was walking home and I was like, oh, well, that's something to think about. So uh, I was thinking about it. Um, then the Lord said, like, I think, I remember, when I felt the Lord speak to me, I said, remember the things that I've done for you. And in that moment, I started thinking about my life and how I got to this point where like, I'm about to graduate. And, like, um, basically, my mom never really, my mom never worked. I grew up, I grew up in a shack and about, I think when I was in grade, grade three, then we, we were able to, to build a house. Um, my grade, I like middle school, we had to walk like eight k's a day. Like, basically, yeah, it's like what, 40 k's a week. Um, just remembering like how, like the point that God had taken me to, like the testimony, how I was able to get funding. Uh, I was, I was going to study with NS first. And because I like, um, so I, before I got to UCD, then I got a phone call. It was like, we, we're going to sponsor you, your, your whole degree. So I never had to, to use NS first. And like, it's random people call me. Like, I do, oh, wow. I didn't know things like that happened. And I think before then, I didn't even have a relationship with God. And looking back, obviously, it's, it's God. I mean, it wouldn't have happened otherwise. Uh, just thinking about those things, like, uh, like I, I, my state of mind changed completely. Like, there was no point in killing myself, realizing what God had done. Like, realizing the fact where he had taken me. Um, like, like, no one in my family has, like, finished metric or even was at the point of, like, graduating in mechanical engineering. Just thinking about those things and what, what God has done, how faithful he had been, like, looking backwards. And he gave me hope to, to look forward. And just in that moment, I just, I love the song. It says, be at rest once more, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. He has delivered you from death, your eyes from tears, and your feet from stumbling. Just thinking about that, like how God, how he's so good, and how, what things he had done for me. Just being in that moment, I was just was able to live. Praise God, and I'm still, still here. I didn't go through with that. And, um, and I think that's, that's the point I want to like, do you see, do you have hope? For the future, do you see the finish line when you're running, or like, are you, are you so are you considering too much on like, you know, making DP, you're failing, and or just like things are not working out. Do you able to look past your mistakes and what what you you you're disappointed with, and do you see God move? Do you see a future that God has has in store for for you? And yeah, I think. And then the author finished 
finishes with, with this. Well, it doesn't really finish, but like I want to finish at this because we don't want to be here for for too long. A friend of mine was sharing yesterday that uh, he used to he goes to church for eight hours. I was like, I wanna, I was like, yeah, well, look, <laughs> that's, that's that's deep. Uh, maybe I should try that. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe you should probably organize an Uber or something. So we're gonna be here for a long time. Um, jokes, bad joke. Um, so yeah, consider Jesus. We're about to finish, um, and I think it's the point. He's saying all of this thing. Like, Therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, um, let us set aside every weight and sin we cling so closely, and look into Christ, uh, the perfect. Uh, let us run with endurance the the race that's set before us. Right. Uh, look into Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, whom for the joy that was set before him um, was able to, uh, to endure the cross, despising shame. And I seated at the right hand uh, throne of God. And then he finishes, consider him who suffered such hostility from sinners so that you may not grow faint. Um, and I, I think I, I, love, I love how he ends up with sort of ends off this, this encouragement that is given to the, the, to the, to the, to the Christians and to like consider Jesus. Because to consider is to think about, to remember. It stirs these emotions. Of, it's a form of worship. Like when you're meditating on Christ and what he has done, that gives you hope to, for the future. That, that, that sustains the race. It makes, uh, it makes it worth it when you're able to see that he was able even though there was hostility and that he suffered from sinners, because that's what they were going through. They were going through persecution. Some of them were being um, imprisoned because they were Christians. And he's telling them, like, consider Christ. Consider, just meditate on what he has done. Now think about that. Think about how he ran his race that was set before him and when, where he is at the moment. And after this, I think verse, verse 4 speaks about, like, um, you're at least still alive, you know. Some of these people, they, they're dead, and you're still alive. You still have hope. Well, he exhausts them because like, Peter speaks about Jesus being our living hope, like our ever-present hope. And um, I want to end off with this point. Like, we're going to have communion now, and our month is going to come forward. And, and as, as we're finishing and we're thinking about, like, running and we're running well, um, think about what Christ has done for you. And Maybe you haven't really made a commitment to, to Jesus as well, and you don't know um, what it's like, what it feels like to have joy, like real joy in Christ. Like in difficult moments, um, your hope um, is really not there because you haven't, like, you still have, there's a veil over your eyes. You're not able to see beyond your circumstances. Um, and only Christ can come and remove that veil. And then some of us maybe even be struggling, having going through difficult moments, um, like whether with studies or with family, and, um, and then I want to like, encourage you with, because uh, this letter was written to encourage the Christians, and I think it's also meant to encourage us when we're going through these difficult times and moments in our lives. Let us look to Christ. Let us run the race, fixing our eyes on Him, not on our circumstances, not looking backwards of what things happen to us and things that are holding us back. But let's look to Christ, the author and perfect of our faith. Uh, let's consider him. And I want to end off with that. Let's, 
Let's take a moment and just consider Christ and consider your life and um, what he has done for you. Because we were meant to take communion and, and um, with that in mind, like, like remembering what Jesus, says. he said to the disciples, take this in, remem- in remembrance of me. And I want us like, to take a moment and just, 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 just you and God, you don't have to talk to the person next to you, but just between you and God, just think about where God has taken you where he's taking you as well and um, just begin to worship him and just pour out your heart um, to him.